Welcome to the Amanda Wagner Podcast. In this episode, we share our experiences of navigating competing priorities. We express some of the reasons that we struggle to move forward on the things that we say really matter to us. We talk about the reality of trade-offs and remind you that the decisions you make today can be different decisions later. And in WWAWD, or What Would Amanda Wagner Do?, Jennifer asks about where to start when launching a business, as in, what is the very first step? I'm Amanda Wagner, a business strategist, coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner Podcast is the place for ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are done shopping for shortcuts, no longer waiting for an invitation to do what they want and are ready to claim their spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and triumphs of ambition and bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically in a noisy world, and share our experiences as entrepreneurs with big ambition. If you've ever written eat lunch on a to-do list or jotted down something that you already did so you can cross it off, you are among friends here. We have proof that we need the validation, that we need to be able to say that we've done something. In a recent conversations in Coach Jenny's Make It Happen group, she shared about how shifting our thinking and way of behaving from working on something to crossing a finish line and challenged us as her participants to reconsider our to-do list. Instead of a list of things to work on, adding more specificity and clarifying what we actually want to finish is a helpful way to make us feel like we're making progress and to get the validation of actually completing a task. After this group session, I talked with my incredible friend, Natasia, who joined me in a co-working session and said, I understand crossing finish lines, but what happens when you have competing priorities. You should do an episode on that. She's juggling a business, a baby, a pandemic, working from home, working from home with a partner right next to her, and all of the things. I wanted to find her an answer or at least a place to start, and I have her full permission to share her name and these details. And here we are. While I don't have all the answers, I've done some reading to help go back to the root of prioritizing and figure out some ways to actually help us feel like we're getting ahead and crossing finish lines instead of spinning our wheels. Spoiler, a lot of the commentary on this topic is in one of two camps. The first camp is how to correctly answer the question, how do you prioritize your work in a job interview? The second camp offers a seven plus step assessment, starting with a brain dump, an assessment of urgency, how many people are impacted by the task, how long will it take, what happens if you're derailed, coming up with backup plans, assessing if you, yada, yada, yada. Far too many steps, especially when the root of the problem is that you can't figure out where to start and what to prioritize. So when you have a giant list ahead of you, these seven step assessments can be really daunting, even when your list is already taking up so much of your energy and perhaps creating fear or making you procrastinate even more. LP, you and I both love lists, but what are some of the pitfalls that you run into when you have a giant list ahead of you? I think one of the biggest things for me is what goes on the list. Does every single thing I need to do go on the list? Because that's when it gets overwhelming. To your point about adding eat lunch on the list, that makes the list even longer. Even though I feel like maybe I need to put everything on the list, 
does everything need to go on there? Because then the list gets longer and longer. And then my brain gets a little haywire or a little like, there's so much to do. So it's a matter of figuring out what needs to be on there. I'm similar to you in that when I have a list like that, if I actually put everything on it, then my tendency is to create sub lists. Of, here's the list for work. Here's the list for home. Here's the list for grocery shopping. And I almost imagine, you know, like those fold out wallet uh, of like kids pictures. Yeah. That in the movies, dads carry around and they open their wallet and it all falls out. Sometimes I feel like my list needs yeah. that trifold. <laughs> accordion expansion whenever we go camping I always laugh at myself because I will I have a weekly you know I have a weekly to-do list that I break into things to tackle each day so that my workload is spread out the way that I want it to be but on the weeks we go camping or we're going somewhere I have my list but on the list is also write a grocery list write a packing list two items on the list are to create other lists and it's just (laughs) We're just stuck in this endless loop of making lists. Yes, the meta list making is very common. Yes, when on your to-do list for the day is make list for tomorrow, you know you're in deep in list making. For me, I find that when I'm overwhelmed by the amount of work, that's one of the pitfalls. Because again, there are some things that I either don't want to do, don't have the resources or support to do, and then they move from day to day or week to week. I remember in a past episode, we talked about the book Can't Even, talking about how millennials are the burnout generation. And she used the phrase to describe this list as a rotating little stack of shame that every single day we just add to that list. What's most challenging for me is that everything seems to feel important. If it wasn't important, it wouldn't be on the list. And of course, there's an overwhelming feeling that I have to do it all. I believe that in order to prioritize, we need to start at the end. I am a big fan of working backwards. And before I share my ideas, I want to go back to Greg McEwen's essentialism, which I've mentioned a handful of times, dear Greg, I love your book. It's fantastic. Uh, Every so often on Instagram, he'll put a post out and I'll comment on it. And he likes it sometimes. He even shared me in a story and I had a little fangirl moment. But back to the point. In essentialism, he reminds us that the word priority came into the English language in the 1400s. And it meant the first or prior thing. The, the, the one task to rule them all, the one thing that had to come before anything else. And then in the 1900s, it was pluralized and started having priorities, one to five to 10 to 20, which meant that by increasing our number of priorities, we actually missed the point. And then we're back where we started with said stack of shame and sub lists and the folio of lists emerging from Liz's notebook. For anybody struggling with the topic at hand today, I highly recommend giving Essentialism a read or listen. While again, I'm not on commission for this book, find it at your local library, bookstore. If you're like me, you will write all over it. Let's accept that there will always be elements in our lives that are competing for our attention. If we are hoping for a magic list or a moment when we have the ultimate clarity, we may be fighting a losing battle. And similarly, if what you need most right now is related to your business or career, that doesn't mean you are a monster who doesn't care about your family or your mental health. 
I think the canned response to what matters most is family and the people in our lives. I think it's what we're supposed to say. We're supposed to say that family is number one. We're supposed to say that if we were ill, if something tragic happened, we would say that the only thing matters in the is the people in our lives. So let's take that off the table, agree that we know this, and now we can look at other elements in our lives. So when it comes to family, the people we care about, we know this. We know that they are number one. Now let's start at the end and look at the other elements in our lives. When I say start at the end, I want you to ask yourself three questions. Starting here, I want you to think about what is keeping you up at night or causing you the most stress, sadness, anxiety, fear, insert emotion that is keeping you up. The three questions, number one, what is the one thing that matters to you most right now? I don't mean hypothetically. Again, I know your family matters the most. I also don't want you to think about what matters most in the next six months or in five years from now. What matters right now? Some of the things that might matter most, financial stability or making money, exposure and awareness, helping people get into, get into your community, into what you're building. Your mental and physical health might be your number one priority. Taking a break or finding a way to take some time off so you can recharge. Navigating a change, whether it is in your life, in your career, or perhaps growing in your career. Big caveat in all caps lock in the script says to put one of these things as your priority does not mean you do not care about the others. I will say that again. If financial stability matters most right now, it does not mean that your mental health is forgotten, that you neglect your children and family, or that everything else can just be eliminated and it's gone. All it means is that you've set your priority for right now, for this moment. Question two is to consider what is on my mind slash on my list that doesn't directly contribute to this goal. This might be something that you write down the list of everything on your mind. This is where I encourage you to get out a piece of paper, a note in your phone, whatever your medium of choice is, and create four quadrants. One straight up and down line, one line across, and create four quadrants so that we can sort out everything that's on your mind and put it into one of four categories. Category one, do it. Anything that's on this do it list has to contribute to what matters most. Category two, eliminate it. There are things that we would really like to do, but maybe they don't get priority right now. Option three, delegate it. If it comes to things like grocery shopping that you know you have to do, are you in a position where you can have a service deliver your groceries? Can you ask somebody to help you out? We all have many tasks on our plate. And I heard last week that if you can hire somebody or ask somebody to do a task and they can do it 
as well as you could do it yourself, then it's worth it to have somebody else do it. And finally, that fourth quadrant or fourth category is pause it. Remember that I'm not asking you to choose one priority for the rest of your life. They're always going to be competing. But is there anything that can pause for right now? So for example, if you are really focused on financial stability, maybe something that can pause is the time you're spending on social media if it's not directly impacting your ability to make money. Once you have these four quadrants, my hope is that your, your list of all the things to do looks a lot shorter and you can actually take action towards crossing those finish lines instead of having your list be this huge piece of overwhelm. The third question I want you to consider is, how will you know when it's time to reassess what matters most? To think about when you'll know when you've made progress on that one thing that matters so that you can readjust your priority. So I'm gonna stick with the example of making money. If your financial stability is what matters most right now, what is that number that you have to hit? What is the budget that you have to create? that will then let you readjust your priorities again and say, you know, the thing I put on pause, I'm ready to light it up again. Or I said that I was going to delegate something. Maybe I don't have to delegate it anymore and I can actually do it myself. LP and I are gonna run through this process together. So Liz, I'm gonna ask you, what is the one thing that matters to you most right now? Right now, my priority is recharging self-care, finding some sort of balance. Okay. So knowing that the one thing that matters most to Liz is, is balance, recharging, feeling replenished and energized. I've asked her to go through these four quadrants and Liz did this ahead of time. So she spent some time going, what do I have to do? What do I have to eliminate? What do I have to delegate? And what do I have to pause? And one thing that I have found particularly challenging running myself through this is that when I start with do it, I just translate everything from my list into the do it category. In that case, what I recommend is to start at the end, start with what can be paused, then look at what can't be paused, but can be delegated to somebody else. Then go into the, what can I eliminate right now? What just isn't that important? It isn't contributing to my core priority. And then look at the do it list. Naturally, this is a really personal activity. So Liz, if you're comfortable, I'm not gonna ask you to share what's in your four quadrants, but I wanna know if you can share a little bit about the process of going through it and what you experienced. Uh, this was, it's a challenging activity for, it's so funny, I'm such a perfectionist when you say, if someone can do something 80% to delegate, my brain is like, not enough, not high enough. <laughs> I saw you, I saw you look at this at it and go, huh. Yeah, 80%, really. hey? And at some point with that that number, because it had the exact same effect on me, I'm like, I'm not okay putting out 80% high quality work. I'm not okay with something being just good enough, but also my time is worth a lot. And if you're saying that your number one goal is to feel recharged, replenished, maybe in this moment, 80% is enough. 
Yep, it is. Dang you with your smart prompts and smart questions. Uh, so yeah, so this was, this was, it's a tricky thing for me. Eliminate was also kind of a, a tricky part of the quadrant because when I think of eliminating tasks, I often think of, well, it's got to be the ones I don't enjoy. There are very few tasks that I don't enjoy in my business. Like invoicing sucks, but like that's such a minor thing. I do it one day a month. I could delegate that, but also I should just do that. It's not that big of a deal. There are so many. I love all of the things that I do. There's a, a, a scale of love, but I love them all. So eliminating is a tricky thing for me as well. This is a, this is a challenging exercise. So whether you're you know, sitting in front of your notepad right now doing this or thinking about this on your walk or your drive and having difficulties, you're not alone, my friends, because this is a tricky thing to go through, but yes. important. I completely agree. And often it's such a frustrating thing that on a blank piece of paper with two lines and eight words, that's the most challenging one because it really forces you to think. I am not at all surprised that eliminating and pausing are some of the hardest ones. And of course, for perfectionists, delegating is not easy because 80% does not feel good enough. But the do it corner, that one's super easy to fill out. <laughs> Like you said, just move the to-do list over. <laughs> exactly. The do it is the easiest one. And this isn't just to translate your to-do list to a different piece of paper that looks really nice. It's to figure out, okay, so is everything on that do list? Is that contributing to the priority? So in your case, the priority is finding some ways to be re-energized, to relax. Yes, there are still tasks that you have to do. And from what I understand, you're not saying I need two weeks at a spa you're saying, I need to find some more balance in my day to day. So that at the end of the day, I'm not completely exhausted and just fall asleep in bed. You got it. Yeah. I just, I need more pockets or shorter weeks or just have to figure out what that looks like for me, which I think will take some experimentation, but the, the quadrants here will help me figure out what those various experiments look like. Exactly. This idea of experimenting, you're not doing this for the rest of your life. This isn't the priority for every single moment in your life or in your business. It's for right now. So question one that we worked on, what's the one thing that matters most? You did that. You went through the activity and experienced what it was like to figure out what can you do, eliminate, delegate, and pause. And finally, I'd love to know if you're comfortable sharing, when will you know that you've made progress on what matters most? I think it will be more of a feeling. I'm... I'm a very motivated person. I'm always motivated to do the work, but I think that there will be a, like a, you know, you're watching a cartoon and they're in the cockpit of the spaceship and they hit that button and it like goes into overdrive, like that extra little boost. I want to feel that boost. I love it. Is that feeling tangible enough that you're going to know when you have it? I think so. Yeah. I've definitely been in those, those phases in recent memory too. And I think I hit that every so often, but when I hit it now in this state of needing to be recharged, it's not um, sustainable. So I think I want to get into a place where I can 
feel that rush of energy and that drive. And it's a sustainable thing. I can feel it for days on end or weeks on end, as opposed to little spurts here and there. I'm sputtering out over here. <laughs> I hear it. I very much hear what you're saying. Thank you for sharing that. I know this is incredibly personal and vulnerable. And I think that that's such an important piece to consider is like, when am I going to know that exists? For many people in our community, we have a great group of anxious perfectionists and high achievers. We are ambitious people who want to do incredible things. And one of the challenges for high achievers is that often we believe that if some is good, more is better. So for example, if you have a financial goal and you're like, I want to make a thousand dollars. When you make a thousand dollars, all of a sudden that goal turns into $10,000 and you don't stop. You want to keep going. So looking at some of these other categories, the reason I'm asking you to figure out ahead of time when you will know it's time to reassess is because our brains are really tricky on us. And once we get to that next level, instantly we're chasing the next thing. We're always looking for more and more and more. So I hear you wanting to, to have that, that feeling of, okay, it's go time. I'm ready to launch. And I want that to be written down now. So when you get that feeling, it's like, okay, now I can reassess instead of chasing that feeling over and over and over. We have to acknowledge that priorities change. One caveat that underlies this entire conversation is that we are still in a pandemic at the time of the recording and we have lost stamina. We're all tired. The tasks that we were able to do before might take longer. They might be harder. Our motivation is dipped. Our sense of community and connectedness has gone down. And the reality is that we just might not have the same level of energy that we used to. So regardless of what your priority is now, our stamina has gone down significantly. As an example, uh, a few months ago, my partner and I stayed in a, in a hotel. We did a little staycation and we went to the lounge, which was all socially distanced. And there were, were plastic barricades and there were a few other couples in there. And at, by about 930 at night, you could see everyone in the room checking their watch and yawning and getting their coats. And so on a regular Saturday night, when people would stay out later, that was a very clear sign that we're all losing some stamina. It used to be easier to stay up late. Now we're, we're going to bed earlier. My partner jokes that we have blackout curtains because I go to bed so early, there's still kids playing outside and we can hear them. And so even as we're looking at priorities and what we need to do, I want to hopefully provoke a big sigh of relief. This is an open opportunity to take a big breath. Uh, oh, yes, we've all lost some stamina and that is the reality and that is okay. There's a big pandemic asterisk on most of the things in my quadrants. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. In any other time, it might be easier for you to relax and recharge. Yeah. This is not it. No, no, no. There are difficulties here for sure. <laughs> right. And same thing, if we look at the other categories around mental health, if we look at exposure, navigating a change, there are many career changes happening that I, I'm seeing are people saying, this isn't working for me. I need to change it. There is a giant, yeah, the pandy asterisk that's sitting there going, 
let's remember that this isn't what we're used to and we've never done this before. So we don't have the answer. What we're doing on this podcast is providing you with one more tool that might help you get what you need at this moment. Back to essentialism. This book highlights one big reality, which is the reality of trade-offs. McEwen suggests instead of asking, how can I make it all work? You ask one honest question, which is, which problem do I want to solve right now? In Liz's example that she shared, the problem I want to solve is that I need some more energy. I need to feel recharged. I don't want to feel like I'm on the cusp of burnout. I'm saying that for myself as well. I, I'm very, I'm very much in this space. What plagues me and the big yeah, but that I can feel coming out, I can hear a listener saying, this is great. Yeah, but what will they think? What will they think if I say no? What will my client think if it takes me longer to do this project than I anticipated? What if a client that I love and am excited to work with, what if I need more time? What if I bit off more than I can chew? We have disappointed people before and we will probably disappoint them again. I know that I don't wanna live my life simply to avoid disappointing others. That's not what matters most to me right now or probably ever. I don't wanna live my life simply avoiding disappointing other people. I have disappointed people. I will disappoint them again. And yet I will probably disappoint them more if I do less than my best work. If I bring less than my best self to the table, if I'm distracted or if I resent them. And in my experience, the best way to mitigate disappointment is communication. I know I committed to X, Y, Z, and on reflection, I'm going to need to adjust the timeline, adjust the deliverables, shift my role. I know this is likely disappointing and I'm sorry, but my attention needs to be on something else at the moment. The beauty of this being a podcast is that you are welcome to go back 30 seconds, transcribe what I just said and put it in an email with your situation. The big so what here, of the podcast is that we're giving you one simple tool that isn't simple at all. It's to really look at what matters most at this moment and putting your time and energy there. And we would love to know from our audience, what is the one thing that matters most to you right now? And what are you doing about it? We know that this topic on prioritizing seems technical. It seems like it's about time management, but as you can see us digging into it, it gets quite personal. Our to-do lists are, are things that we hold close to us and that we care about and wanna make sure that we're performing at our absolute best. We are high achievers, we are perfectionists. Typically we avoid the categories of eliminating, delegating and pausing because that's just not who we are. And yet sometimes the reality is, especially in a pandemic, especially with reduced stamina, with the feelings of languishing, we all need a damn break and to be gentle on ourselves. So I would love for you to join us on Instagram and tell us what is the one thing that matters most to you right now and what are you doing about it? We talked a lot about people who are changing careers. Liz and I often 
hear from people who are in the midst of career changes or who are thinking about big ideas. And this is a great way to start thinking about what matters most to you. Before we get too deep into the to-do list, what do we care about the most? This is a great segue into WWAWD or what would Amanda Wagner do? Speaking of people changing careers or taking that big idea that they've had for so long and and starting their own thing. We have a, a question today from Jennifer who asks, I love this question by the way, She says, I have an idea for a business, but I actually have zero idea of where to start. What do I do first? Do I make a website? Do I incorporate? Do I get a logo made? It says, help a girl out. (laughs) So what would Amanda Wagner do? Jen, Jennifer, I love this question. Uh, Great question. And you happen to have two people here who have done this and definitely have some, some feedback for you. Great questions. Do I make a website? Not yet. Do I incorporate? Not yet. Do I get a logo made? Not yet. Those are my, my specific answers. And the reason I say not yet, notice that I don't say no. What matters most when you are creating a business is that you want to run something that is profitable and that you prove works. For something to work, it means you need results. And you need results from your client if you're going to be offering a service. You need results from sales if you're going to sell a product. You need to know that there is buy-in and that people want what you are offering. So before you do any of the website incorporation, getting a logo, before you start that, I would love for you to get back to basics and go, what am I offering? What can they buy? What results will they get from working from me? When we focus on their results, how you can help people, the impact that you can have, that's where we can start working backwards and designing the services page for your website. Getting a logo made. I will tell you from experience, my first logo was a screenshot of my business card that I got made from a template on Moo.com. That was my first logo. I was over a year into my business before I had a logo made. I am nearly four years in and just now am in a position where I'm incorporating. And my website when I first started was a landing page with a contact me section. I think we get trapped in thinking that everything has to be perfect and fancy and we have to plan for this huge launch, the capital L launch. And I'm here to encourage you to take the capital L launch off the table and design a proof of concept. Get some proof that what you are selling works, that somebody is willing to pay you and somebody is willing to buy into what you are selling. From there, that's a great place to gather a testimonial. It's a great place for you to refine what are you actually offering. So resist the temptation to do all the pretty stuff, the website, the logo, the incorporation, the fancy seal of approval, and instead get into the bare bones of how am I going to make this a viable business and what can I do? By setting that out first, not only are you increasing your chances of profitability and not going into a ton of debt to build a fancy website or incorporate before you need to, 
but you're putting yourself in a position where you have a business that is set on what you want to do. If you don't know exactly what you want to do, the value that you offer, the results you can help people get, when somebody comes to you and says, hey, can you do this? You might be really tempted to do it, even if it's not your area of expertise. And all of a sudden, you wanted to build a business, I imagine, to spend time doing the things you love to do. And now you're a generalist doing everything. And that isn't as satisfying. LP, I'm going to turn this into WWLPD as somebody who has also started a business. Is there anything that I'm missing or that you would recommend to help a girl out? Pretty similar to what you're saying. If I had a dollar for every time I've said the word intentional or the word meaningful in the last few years, I would need to do this. Millions of dollars. <laughs> I'm a firm believer in acting with intention and doing something that's meaningful for yourself, but for your customers as well. So before you get carried away with making the website or creating a Facebook page or whatever it may be, think about what it is that you offer, why it's important and why it's beneficial to your customer or your client. Once you have those bullet points, then you use those as the guide for everything else. So when you create your social media strategy or you hire somebody like me to create your social media strategy, you use those points that you created for yourself about why this is meaningful, the intentional things that you're going to be doing in your business, and that helps you create social media goals. That helps you create the content for your website. That helps you create the events you're going to throw or the events you're going to attend. It really gives you guiding parameters for almost all of the moves that you will make in your business. So Start with those key messages for yourself as to what's intentional for you and your client and why is the work meaningful. I love that. Thank you for adding that because you're right. Any documentation you create, what did you set out to do? What is the value that you're bringing is going to beautifully translate to a social strategy. It's going to translate to communicating with your client. It's going to translate to the work that you do with your business strategist and coach that you can bring on your team. All of that front-loading work is much more important at this stage than going to the registry and spending a bunch of money to incorporate. There are many steps that you can take along the way and you don't have to do it all at once. So we're here to reduce the pressure to get to the bare bones of what you want to do. And Jennifer, I really hope that this helps give you some size of relief and go, I don't have to do all the fancy things. I have to get to the crux of what is going to make my business money. Thank you for your question, Jennifer. That I loved that one. Keep sending them our way. You can submit them via the website, theamandawagner.com. Just use the contact form there. Or when you get the Amanda Wagner newsletter, you can always reply to the newsletter with a question, or you can send us a DM on Instagram at theamandawagner. Thank you again for joining us on this episode where we are talking about competing priorities. I would love to know what is the one thing that matters most to you right now and what are you doing about it? We have an incredibly engaged community and by having these comments, it lets other people A, feel like they're not alone and B, it sparks so many ideas. So please join us and share. We would love to hear what you're up to. And like I mentioned in Jennifer's question, if you are thinking about starting a business, 
or pivoting or making a change and you're ready to get off the sidelines watching other people do it and you're ready to claim your spotlight, start your business, take on a new path, I am the business strategist and coach to help you. If you are fiercely ambitious and want it all and don't want to have to work 80 hours a week for it, please connect with me at theamandawagner.com or send me a DM on Instagram at theamandawagner. And if you're curious about how to make your social media platforms better, or you're thinking about creating a social media strategy, connect with me on Instagram at Liz Pittman or visit my website, lizpittman.com. I hope this simple, but not at all simple worksheet helps you get a good handle on what actually has to happen. Some of the trade-offs that you are comfortable making, things that you're willing to pause, eliminate, or delegate to get you ahead in the direction that matters most to you. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. Until then, we will see you on the internet. I like that you said website. <laughs> My website. My website. <laughs> Just developed a little twang there. I cut Please that. Pittman.com. I'll be cutting that out. <laughs> <laughs>